Good morning, Rabotai. Just want to go over a few points that we discussed on Friday. For further clarity and maybe a little more information. So we mentioned on Friday that at the end of Parashat Toledot, we see the Chokmah of Rivka Imenu that instead of telling her son to go to her brother Lavan to find a girl to get married, the Pasuk says, Vatomer Rivka El Yitzhak. Rivka went to Yitzhak, her husband, and she says, Katsti Behayai Mipene Benot Het, which meaning I'm disgusted from these girls that are in our neighborhood. Im lokeyah Yaakov isha mi benot het ka'elen mi benot ha'aretz lama li ha'im says Rivka imenu if my son Yaakov will end up with one of these girls so what am I living for? It's interesting, you see how important to find a good wife for your son as she says lama li ha'im if I don't find a good wife for him so for what reason am I li- alive? It's a very... Uh, the very strong words. But bottom line is, she's very concerned about who he's going to marry. So what does the Pasuk say after? By Yaakov. He called up Yaakov, Yitzhak after his wife spoke to him. By Oto, and he blessed him. By and he commanded him. By Lo, and he said to him, Lo tikah isha mibbenot kenan. Do not take a wife from these girls here in Canaan. These are not the girls for you. Kum lech padena aram. Go to padena aram. To the house of Betuel, the father of your mother. Bekah lecha misham yisha. And go marry a woman from there. Mibbenot lavan. From the daughters of lavan. Ahimecha, your uncle. And he blesses him and all that. So we mentioned last week. That why didn't Rivka herself go and tell Yitzhak, uh, Yaakov that she's not happy with these girls? You see, Yaakov listens to his mother. You see what happened by the Berachot where his mother gave him what he should do. He did it. So why did his mother go to his father and his father told him, go to the uh, house of Lavan? So we mentioned last week that uh, perhaps... This shows the chokhmah of a wise woman that she understands that her husband needs to feel like he is the melech of the house. Like the Rambam writes that she does everything alpi, alpiv, that she asks him and therefore she gave him the respect that he should be the one to tell Yaakov and she deferred to her husband Yitzhak to do that too. Which is uh, It's the wise woman that builds a home. She understands the needs of her children and she also understands the needs of her husband. So she was able to take care of both. She was worried about her son but she didn't forget about her husband either to make sure that she gives him the right position in order to do what he needs to do. Okay. So David mentioned last week 
after we said this, after the, the shiur, he said, but we find before that Rivka already told Yitzhak to leave. And there she told him directly. Right before that, it's Pasuk says, by you God le Rivka it was told to Rivka what her older son Aisav was saying. What was he saying? Pasuk says, Vayomer Aisav belibo. Says that Aisav says in his heart, Yikrevu yeme evel avi. Soon my father will die. Vayaharga et Yaakov ahi. And I will be able to kill my brother Ayakov. By you, God let Rivka was told to Rivka what Aisav is thinking. First of all, what, what does it mean by you, God? It was told. It says he says in his heart, who told him. So Rashi Allah Shalom says, By you, God let Rivka be Ruach HaKodesh. It was Ruach HaKodesh. It was uh, some sort of prophecy that she got. What, what, what Aisav was thinking in his heart. That's what the Midrash says. Okay, fine. I mean, it's obvious in the Pesukim. Who told her if he's... Pasuk says Beferush explicitly. Aisaf says in his heart. So how, how did Rivka find out? Who told her? Good. So Hazal tell us. She has Ruach HaKodesh. Beautiful. So now, what did, what did she do with that information? When she heard that Aisaf is thinking to kill Yaakov. But Tishlah. She sent... She sent out for Yaakov, her son. But Tomer Elavin, she said to him, Your brother Aisav is planning. He's thinking to kill you. Listen to what I have to tell you. Go escape to Lavan, my brother. He says, Stay with him a certain amount of days, a certain amount of time. Until your brother's anger subsides, then you come back. She says, Why should I lose both of you one day? She basically told him, It's dangerous over you, over here for you. Please escape. I don't want anything to happen to you. So David asked, How come over here? You see, she went directly to Yaakov. She didn't tell Yitzhak, go tell Yaakov to run away. She already gave the, the directive, the tzivui, to Yaakov Avinu before she told her husband Yitzhak. That's, that was the question he asked last week. So the truth is, the truth is, there are two different subjects here. If you notice... When she speaks to Yaakov, she doesn't mention at all the marriage. Not at all. She's talking only about the danger, the sakana. When she talks to Yitzhak, she doesn't mention sakana at all. She only mentions the marriage. Interesting. Two different, two, two different subjects. So, how come by the first subject of danger, she didn't want to tell her husband, or she didn't tell her husband, to tell her son. So says the Ora Haim HaKadosh, he says, Lord Atzta Le Galot HaDavar Le Yitzhak. 
She didn't want to reveal what she knows about Asaf killing Yaakov to Yitzhak. Mishum isur rechilut. So I thought this Shabbat, I was thinking about what David asked. So on my own, I thought that from here, you see, she didn't want to upset her husband. Why does she have to tell? Why does she have to tell him information that's going to make him upset that his son Isav is looking to kill his brother? What's what's the sometimes uh, uh, a husband and wife feel that they have to share everything with each other because they're married, so everything has to be told. But it's not true. Not everything has to be told. Sometimes, if the information is going to hurt them, don't mention it. If you heard bad news in the office, don't go share it in your house. Unless there is a need, there's no need to share bad news even with your wife. It's not necessary to share things that are going to upset them, that are going to hurt them, that are going to make them feel worried. No, not necessary. A person shouldn't make that mistake. That because he's married, so everything he knows, she has to know. Everything she knows, he has to know. It's not necessary. A person could protect his wife or a wife could protect her husband from unnecessary information. Wise women are very good at that. They know what not to tell a husband. They know what's going to make them nervous, what's going to get them upset. Don't, don't mention it. That's what I thought. I thought over here that the reason why Rivka didn't want to tell Yitzhak about the first part is because she's going to upset him about his son. What does he have to hear that for? So she found another avenue, which is also another avenue. That other avenue wasn't an excuse. It was also true. She wanted him to get married to her brother, to her brother's daughter. But she didn't want to tell him the first piece. So therefore, when it came to the danger... She obviously has to tell her son about the danger. But she didn't want to upset her husband. And therefore she told Yaakov straight. He came to marrying your wife. There she went to Yitzhak. And Yitzhak did the job. That's what I thought. And I think it's a... I think it's... Divre emet. I don't want... I didn't find it in any books. But I think it's true in the sense... That a person should not share... Everything that will upset something. But the Ora Hayim says something else. He says... That the reason why she didn't want to tell her husband, because of the Isur of Rechilut. Interesting. The Isur of Rechilut means, Lashonara. Why does she have to go and share what Isav is thinking to his father Yaakov? Does he, sorry, his father Yitzhak. Does Yitzhak have to know what Isav is looking to do to Yaakov? <laughs> Not his, not his area. What's he going to do about it? Information that you give another person that really has no bearing on that person and has no difference for that person, that's called rechilut. Meaning, even though she heard in the Ruach HaKodesh, she got a nevoah, what Aisah was thinking to do, she didn't go and share it with her husband. Because that would be sharing information that is not necessary. You don't share information about what someone said. Again, even if you heard it from Ruach HaKodesh, you don't share it. 
If someone said something, don't share it with somebody else. That's called rechilut. That's why she went to Yitzhak and told him something else. Oh, so how come she told Yaakov? If you're not supposed to reveal somebody's, uh, somebody's words that they said, why did she go and tell Yaakov what Isab is thinking? What about the Rechilud there? Says the Orachim, no. Adraba. He said, on the contrary. There is a Pasuk in the Torah that says, you're not allowed to stand by, by your friend's danger. If your friend is in danger, you can't stand by and do nothing. So here, if she sees Yaakov is in danger, she had an obligation to go tell him. And she didn't tell her husband. That was the, again, you see the chokhmah of a great woman. She understands when to share, when not to share. This is something every person could learn to make sure that before you give over information, A, it's the right information to give over, and B, that it's not going to hurt that person that you're telling the information to. Okay, this is, a, this is a, an answer to David's question that he mentioned to me last week. Why, by one, she told Yaakov directly, and one, she told Yitzhak, that, and Yitzhak did the job. Another nekuda from last week, just want to end off because we, we discussed it, but I saw a beautiful Beautiful answer, and I'd like to share it with you. We said last week, the Pasuk mentions that Yaakov left the Er Sheva. And Rashi said over there that all the Pasuk had to say was that he went to Haran. Why does the Pasuk say, Of course he left. If a person goes to another city, it's obvious that he left his city. Why do you have to tell me? He left Be'er Sheva and he went to Haran. So we know we read the famous Rashi last Friday. We read the, it says, to teach us a very important uh, principle. What is the principle? That a tzaddik does a lot for a city. And when he leaves the city, the, 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 the hisaron, which means the, the, the loss of the city is felt by the people. They feel something is missing. It's because the tzaddik left the city. So, Torah is teaching us that Torah is not telling us he left. Torah is telling us that him leaving was felt. Everybody felt Everyone realized that something was missing in the city. They lost the Kedushah that they had. Something was lacking in the Siyadah, the Shmayah. Something felt in the city when Yaakov Avinu left. So we asked a question on Friday. It's a beautiful principle. But why does the Torah not say this principle by great people before that also left? Abraham also left. Doesn't say Vayetze Abraham. Yitzhak also left. Doesn't say Vayetze Yitzhak. So the Torah is coming to teach me how a tzaddik is able to bring such beauty to a city in his Yirat Shamaim, in his Kiddushah, his Midot Tovot, in his Siatah Deshmayah that he brings to the people around. So, why doesn't that principle 
have a place by Abraham and Isaac. Why did Torah wait to Yaakov Avinu to mention that principle? But yet say Yaakov. So on Friday we gave an answer. I'd like to give a different answer today that I saw and heard over Shabbat. I feel is a very important nekuda for all of us. Yaakov was different than Abraham and Isaac. Abraham Avinu was a man who was out there changing the world. Pasuk says, asher asu beharan. What was Abraham Avinu busy doing in his life? He was busy bringing people closer to Hashem. So he was there, as you see with his chesed, he had his tent wide open to help people. It wasn't just to help them that they can eat and drink. It also was to help them in a spiritual way, as the Midrash says, that when somebody comes, they would eat and they would drink and they would enjoy. And then they would say, we want to thank you, we appreciate it. And he would say, don't thank me. Thank the Baalabite. You have to thank the host. Thank the host. We thought you were the host. No, no, no. I'm not the host. There's a real host here. Who's the host? He said, what do you mean? Borei Olam, the creator of the world. Borei Olam. Who is that? And he starts to teach them. He starts to explain to them. Abraham Avinu was a man who spread the Torah and the values of the Torah throughout the world. That was his... Tafkid, that was his job. He was not making money. He was making souls. He was making people and giving them the knowledge and the direction to live life the right way. That's what Yaakov Abraham did. Also, that Yitzhak, it says by Yitzhak, She Yitzhak, the Gemara says, Ziv Akunin Shalom, which means Yitzhak was the image of his father. So it doesn't just mean he looked like him. Something more important than that. He was like his father. He also followed the same avodah, where he was doing the same kind of work. Some explained, by the way, that was the whole idea of digging the wells. You see that they're very busy digging wells. Abraham dug the wells. And then the Pelishtim, they closed the wells. And then Yitzhak, he opened, he, again he dug the wells. What's with the wells? Some explain that over in those days especially, you can imagine, there's no running water. You don't have faucets in your house. So how do they get water? They have to find wells. They go to the well to get water. That's how they survive. So when you dig a well, it's a very big kindness that you're doing for people. What happened when they came to get water from the well? They would say, Abraham, thank you for the well. All the wells that you dug for us is very, very special. Appreciate it. Abraham, again, would use the well as an opportunity to give a seminar, to give a drasha, uh, to give a shi'ur. The wells were a way to give people a recognition of the creator of the world. And that's why the Pelishtim, they didn't like what he was doing. They didn't like the work that he was doing with the wells. 
that he was using the wells to go and spread Torah, which not the way they lived. What did Ithaq do? He dug again the wells. He went back to the same Abudah as his father. So Abraham and Yitzhak were very busy Mekarev people. They were busy out there bringing closer people to Hashem. Beautiful. So now, when Yaakov Avinu, the whole different story. He had a whole different Abudah in his life. You know, Hashem made every person unique. And every person has his own, his own little pet. Of course, we all have a general pet that we're all on. But in the general path that we're on, each one had a different lane. Yaakov had a different lane. He wasn't like Abraham and Isaac in that way. He was like the Pasuk says, Ishtam Yoshev Halim. He was a man who was busy in the Bet Midrash. He was learning. He was more of a learner. He wasn't out there with people grabbing them from the right, grabbing them from the left. He was a man who was Yoshev or Halim, as the Torah describes, he was going from tent to tent, tents of the Bed Midrash. You see, by the way, the first thing he did when he went to Haran, Pasuk says, Vayelech Harana. But we know he stopped for 14 years to learn in the Yeshiva of Shem Vayevet. But, but it says, Vayelech Harana, as though some S. Why? Is that, isn't that a lie? Vayelech Harana? Is that true? What do you mean he went to Haran? He went to Shem Ba'ever. Something missing in between. How come it says right away Haran? Some explain that if Abraham, if Yaakov Avinu is going to a new place with new challenges, going to Lavan is very different than where he was. If he's going on to a new challenge, it's obvious he has to go learn. How could you go into a new place like Haran? With all the different challenges there, and not stop to learn. Vayelech Harana, meaning included in Vayelech Harana, a wise man knows when you go into a new situation, you need to learn. You have to prepare yourself beforehand. Just like we tell young men before they get married. You get married. How come you don't get married at 12, 13, 14? Why would we have to get married till later? Because you need time to be able, really, the halacha says. Supposed to get married at 13? A boy at the age of 13 is already a mitzvah to get married. Why don't you get married at 13? It's a good question. We do all the other mitzvahs at 13. You put on tefillin at 13. You do everything at 13. How come we don't get married at 13? Answer is, you are, you are getting married at 13. When? When you start learning. When you learn. What are you, the learning of those seven, eight years between 13 and 2021, those years are precious time preparing for marriage. If you don't learn, if you don't prepare yourself, you're not going to be able to marry in a way that is going to be matzliah. So really, you're not waiting till 20 to get married. You're not waiting till you're 21 to get married. That's not what's happening. You tell the guy 13, no, no, you got to wait a few more years. We're not telling you to wait. We're telling you to prepare yourself. There's a preparation that a person must make during these years, very special years. Unfortunately, in this country, those years are wasted years. The biggest waste of years in a person's life in America is between high school and college. The most time wasted. 
between high school and college, the amount of hours and days that are wasted in absolute nothingness, not saying everybody, but for a very big majority of our country, the, de the, the days and the time off, that's for a guy who is actually learning. Even if you're learning, how much time off you have? And then how many people don't even bother wasting their time? They don't learn anything. And sometimes even what they're learning is meaningless, learning nonsense. Not learning something that's going to make a difference in their life. By the time they're 21, 22, now they're ready for life. Ready for what? They don't have anything to take with them. But we, the Am Yisrael, we understand that the time between 13 and 20, 21 is a very crucial time. That's when boys go to yeshiva. What are they doing in yeshiva? They're learning. They're learning the chokhmah of life. They're learning chokhmah the Torah. They're building themselves so that when they graduate, they're 21. They have something ready to take with them for the next stage of life. Not just business, but they have the ability to get married happily. They have the ability to have children and be normal parents. When is that going to happen? If not for those years. So remember, even though the halakha says you're supposed to get married when you're 13, but the reality is you can't get married until you're ready to be married. So it's automatic that you have to start preparing for the marriage before you're able to get married. That's why it says, it's automatic. You're going to a new challenge in your life with Lavan and all of his trickery. You need to prepare for that. So it didn't have to say the Pasu. Any wise person knows that if you're about to go into something, you need preparation. So yes, Oh, what about Shem Bahavir? That was part of Vyalek Harana. That's part of going to Haran. You can't go to Haran if you don't prepare. That's why it says, by the way, in the parasha we read that Yaakov, he worked seven years for Rahel. And the Pasuk says, which means in his eyes they were like few days because he loved us so much. So they ask, what do you mean when you love somebody so much? Every day it feels like a year. How did every year feel like a day? If you love someone so much, every day is endless. So it says he loved us so much, seven years felt like a few days. So some explain it means that the value, he felt the value of what he was getting, right, was much less than what's supposed to be. For, for Rahel, you got to work 50 years. Say so he felt working seven years is only a few days. But another explanation could be that there's a difference between counting up and counting down. If you notice by the Omer, we count up, we don't count down. In America, they count down. They say, Ted, the, the new year is coming. Yeah, new year is coming. Ten, nine, eight, counting down, 
Till finally, you hit, you hit the the goal. But us, when we count by the Omer, we don't count down, count up. We don't say 48 days left to the Omer. Uh, 45 days left, three days, nine, eight, seven. We don't do that. We say today is day one. Today is day two. We count up. That's a very big. It's a big item. So why do we count up, not count down? Because in Judaism, we don't wait for things to happen. When you count down, basically you're saying, the only thing between me and what I want is time. So I wait. Nine, eight, seven, waiting for it to happen. When you count down, it means the only thing separating between you and what you want to get is the time. So you have to wait for the time to run out. You keep saying how much left in time. But in, in, one second. But when it comes to Torah, it's not like that. It's not like that. We don't wait for time to piss. That's, it doesn't work like that. We have to prepare ourselves to be ready for whatever is going to happen. So when we prepare for Matan Torah, we don't wait for it to come. We make ourselves ready for it to come. So we say today is one day. I became one day closer to being able to get the Torah. Then it's two days. I became two days closer. I am bettering myself to be able to get to Matan Torah. We count up when Yaakov waited seven years. He didn't wait seven years. He didn't wait for, oh, another five years left till I get married. In those seven years, he was busy preparing himself for marriage. He was making himself for marriage. And therefore, it felt because he was working for something. You know when you're working for a purpose and you're busy and involved, before you know it, you can't believe it's already two years because you're so busy involved in making something happen. You have a purpose and you're working towards it. You don't know how the time passes. If you're waiting for time to pass, it's endless. If it was me and you, seven years, every day we wait. Oh, seven, seven years minus one day, seven years minus two days, which is waiting. But when you're busy making the seven years, because you have a mission in those years, so the time goes by very quickly. That's what the Pasuk means. He felt like a few days. Why? Because he was learning how to love. He was learning how to love somebody. He was learning how a person is supposed to get married and build a home that's full of Ahava. That is a Avodah. You don't just wake up one day and get married and say, Oh, I'm ready. What have you done? in your life to make yourself ready. That's why it says, again, Wait, where is the yeshiva? Pashut. A wise person goes to Haran without preparation. It's not even, have, doesn't even have to be mentioned. Anyway, back to the question. Why by Yaakov it says, by Yetzay Yaakov, not by Abraham and Yitzhak. Because Yaakov was a man who was sitting and learning by himself. 
He was in the Bet Midrash. He wasn't out there like Yitzhak and Abraham. So Torah is teaching us by Abraham who left. Of course people felt the difference. What's the, what's the question? He was out there all day long with people. He was involved in their lives. He was busy helping them. Of course when Abraham left, everyone felt the loss. Pshita, it's obvious. When Yitzhak left, of course they all felt the loss. But when Yaakov left, Yaakov wasn't so involved with people. He was sitting learning Torah. What, what, what is that? What loss is going to be felt by a person who's sitting in his own room somewhere and he's learning Torah? How are they going to feel that loss? We would say, it's a great man to himself, did a great job. He became a big Talmud Hacham. He raised his he raised the bar for himself, but nobody's going to feel anything missing if that Talmud Hakam is no longer in the city. Comes the Torah and says, no. That even Yaakov Avinu, people had nothing to do with him. He was just sitting and learning. When he left, they felt a great, a great lacking in the city. Something was missing in that city. The Kedushah is missing in the city. The Si'atah, the Shmayah was missing in the city. A person who learns Torah, even if he's not teaching, for whatever reason, that was Yaakov Avinu's, uh, his, his, his uh, job in life. That person brings tremendous Kedushah to a city. In fact, the Gemara says, what is the definition of an apikoros? You've heard that word apikoros? Apikoros is a person who we call him is a, is a heretic, a non-believer. So Gemara says, who is an apikoros? Gemara says, a guy who says, here are the words, Gemara. I'll read it to you. A guy who says, my what are they doing for us? What pleasure, what hana'a are they giving to my ahane? What is it helping us? He says they learn very nice. They learn for themselves. Not my not my ahlin. Not they're not saying that because not saying Torah isn't great. He's not saying what does the Torah do for you? He's not saying that. That because already he's educated. He knows Torah is the most amazing thing. What they're doing for them is power. What am I getting? There's a Talmud Hakam over there sitting and learning in my city. What is that doing for me? Hazal say that's an apikoros. You don't understand the power of Kedushah, the power of the Torah that it brings, not just to the person learning but to everybody, to the Torah, the Mishra'i Sharim says, the Mishra'i Sharim says, that when a person, when he himself goes up in Kiddushah, he takes the whole, the whole world with him in Kiddushah. You're saying, that guy learning has nothing to do with you? He's holding up your town, that guy. Even though you don't necessarily have anything to do with him. Midrash says, Hazal say, listen to these words. 
kashe silukan shel tzaddikim. When a great man or a great woman passes away, it's yoter, it's worse than the hurban of the Beit HaMikdash. Mean you have a Talmud Hakam in your city. He sits and learns. Again, he's not teaching, he's not giving shiurim, he's not doing anything like that. He's sitting and he's learning Yoman Balayla. Says the Midrash. By the way, this Midrash is in Echad. Talking about the Hurban of the Beta Migdash. Says the Midrash, you know what is what is similar or worse than the Hurban Beta Migdash? When you have the loss of a great Talmud Hakam. <laughs> what does that have to do with the Beta Migdash? The Beta Migdash is the place where people used to go and find Kiddushah. It's a place where the people used to pray. People they get close to Hashem. What does the tzaddik have to do with the Beta Migdash? The answer is that by Kiddushah, the Torah brings Kiddushah into the world. And wherever a person is, doesn't matter if he's in Yerushalayim or he's in America, the Kiddushah of the Torah spreads and changes the people around them. When a person would go to the Bet HaMikdash, what would happen to him? He would walk in there, he'd walk out a different person. He'd walk in there and he'd feel the Kiddushah of the Shekhinah and he would come out differently. Just from being there. A Talmud Hacham who learns Torah brings Kedushah into a city. And that city is a different city. You should know that it's been really, you see it every, every, every community. You see something very real. When there are Talmudah Hachamim in the city, the city is a different place. When there are people in the city that are learning in Halab, in Halab they had always that sat and learned. That's why Halab is a city that was blessed with many, many, many perot, many beautiful fruits. We had, we had an understanding that you have to have Talmideh Hachamim in your city. Even, now of course people say, of course, I need Talmideh Hachamim to teach my kids. I need Talmideh Hachamim to be the rabbi to the shuls. That's obvious. That You don't have to be a Hacham for that. Obviously, you need Talmideh Hachamim to teach your children and to teach you and to run the shul and to give, uh, to run the kashrut and the one who's going to give a get and the one who's going to do kiddushin. Of course, who's doing sha'ida? Who's doing? You don't need to be a very wise person to understand that a city needs Talmideh Hachamim because you need them to teach and help. But the hidush is that a city needs Talmideh Hachamim who sit and learn. Even if they're not teaching, even if they're not helping anybody, the very fact that they're sitting and learning is making an entire revolution in that city. There's tremendous hashpa'ah in that city. That's what it means. Even though Yaakov was Yoshev or Halim, when he left, they felt that there was something lacking in that town. There was something lacking in that place. This is a Another, another beautiful explanation why the Torah points it out by Yaakov Avinu. Ezrat Hashem, we should be zocher. They have always tzaddikim in our midst. Have a wonderful day. Have a great day.